The reading is taken from Acts 2, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. On the large print Bible, that's on page 1691. And on the small print Bible, page 756. Acts chapter 2, reading from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one uh, heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up, with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is taken from Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32, in the large print Bibles on page 1421, and on the Pew Bibles, page 635. Page 1421 in the large print, page 635 in the Pew Bibles, uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't it great, can I just say, um, to have the Bible read so well? Um, I'm not saying that our other Bible readers don't read the Bible well. Um, in fact, we should thank, thank them more. I think um, our Bible readers do a really great job. But it's, it's great. To, like, the Bible comes alive when it's read by someone who's just really passionate about it and excited about it. So thank you to Peter and Bruce for that and for our other Bible readers who read so well um, at other weeks. Um, if you'd like to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, that would be really great. Um, I'm going to pray for us in a moment. But... Uh, uh, as you came in, you would have been offered, I hope, <coughs> an outline of the talk. Was that the case? Yes, excellent. Um, so for those what like taking notes, um, that's there for you. Um, if you're not, then please just feel free to sit back and enjoy. And we hope as we read uh, from God's Word and we hear from God's Word that we um, are encouraged. Let me pray. Dear Father, we do want to thank you for your Word. We thank you for the way you speak to us through it. Father, I pray that you be with me as, um, as I speak this morning. Please help me to speak truly and clearly. Um, help me to uh, be uh, engaging. Um, but Lord, we pray that you would help each of us to be engaged uh, with your spirit and with your word so that we might come away from here encouraged and strengthened for our walk with you this week in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, as Kate mentioned earlier, we started a new series last week uh, and this you, I, I, did I tell you that we're having an exam this morning? I didn't tell you? Oh, whoops. Um, well, we're going to start off our, uh, this week just, just a reminder of what, what happened last week in our talk class last week. Does anybody remember Jesus gave his disciples something, something really important? Can anybody remember what it was that Jesus gave them last week? He gave them a great mission. We have a mission from God. You may remember that mission was driven by the fear of the Lord because we know what it is to fear the Lord. We persuade people. Um, the love of Christ compels us, but also that we are new creations. We are ambassadors for God. So that, that mission that God gave to his disciples is a mission that he's given to us. This is our mission. But you may also remember that we, we thought, really, this, this mission is really, really big. Remember, they were only 11 people and they were supposed to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, but it's, it hasn't got much easier. Give you a bit of an idea, just a little bit of a, a, a taste of what it's like for us. Um, this is us. Um, that's our church. There's about 100 of us, I guess, across our congregations. Um, if you were to compare our church to East Linfield, so just to the um, to Arturo Road there, and down to the Garden Village across there, just that little kind of subsection of East Linfield. That's us. This is East Linfield compared to us. We are really small, aren't we? But of course, that is just East Linfield, which is you know one of the centre of the Bible Belt in the North Shore of Sydney. 
Um, compare that, and, and we are one of the smallest parishes actually in the whole of the Diocese of Sydney in terms of the number of people in our parish, only 3,500 people. Uh, there are some parishes actually that have 70,000 people, twice as many people as that uh, in the suburb. Just imagine, it's so big. It's so hard. How on earth can we possibly hope to reach all of those people with just us? Now, of course, some of those people are already going to church somewhere else, which is fantastic. So maybe they can join with us and help us. And we're hoping that they might uh, be able to do that during this year. But uh, how can we reach to such a, a, big, a, big, a big mission field that we have, not just here in Sydney, but across, of course across the world? If I were to ask about the, the people, the Roma people, how many people are there? In in the Roma communities in Bulgaria, roughly eight hundred thousand. And how many of those do you think would be Christian? Maybe seven to ten percent. Seven to ten percent. So that's not a huge number. So that's similar-ish kind of uh, numbers to us. Uh, it's a big field. Andrew and Kate are going into a big mission field. How can they possibly hope to have any impact there? How can we? I don't know if you ever feel that. Do you ever feel a bit despondent, a bit like, well, the job's too big? Well, fortunately last week, Jesus didn't just give them a mission. He also gave them something else. He gave them a promise. He said, wait and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what we're seeing today in Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment of that promise. Um, And it's a familiar story, of course, uh, for those of you who know your... uh, your Bible, you have heard this story. Eleven disciples are there in a room and there's a strong wind, sound of a strong wind, and then there's, a, there's fly, tongues of fire that come. They're not actually, they're probably not umbrellas because they weren't invented yet, but um, tongues of fire come to rest on all of the, the disciples. God has turned up. The, the, the wind and the, and the fire is a symbol of God's presence. They were there on the mountain of Mount Sinai and now they're in the room with the disciples. And the disciples, have amazing things happen. They start doing incredible things. In verse 4, we're told, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Now, I don't know about if you've ever tried to learn another language. When I was at Moore College, I had to uh, learn uh, ancient Greek. And, you know, for three years, I struggled, four years, I struggled with it. Uh, uh, got a little bit of a handle on it, but it took me quite a while. I don't know how long it took you guys to get to know Bulgarian. Work in, work in progress. Okay, so it's... You've been there for a while, and it's hard work. But imagine that. How awesome would that be? It's, just, it's almost like a switch gets turned on, and suddenly you can speak these different languages. This speaking in tongues is not the speaking in tongues that you often hear talked about in some, uh, some other churches, um, and we've talked about it in our church, uh, but you, you might see manifested in other churches. This is a different experience because these people are not speaking a heavenly language. They're speaking human languages. And we know they're speaking in human languages because people from all over the world are there and they're going, hang on a minute, I can hear Cretan or I can hear, I can hear Latin. or I can hear, like they, they, they hear all the different languages from the countries they come from. Now, these people are very simple people. I'm a pretty simple person, but even I kind of can start to learn a language. But these people, had, they had no education. They, 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 were, they were fishermen. They were carpenters. They were, they were people who'd done not very much in, the, in terms of education. Um, they didn't have the compulsory education that we have. How on earth could they, they possibly be speaking these languages? Well, of course, we know because God has spoke. God is there. God has turned up 
and he is now working through them. And what they're proclaiming, we're told in verse 11, is they, they are proclaiming the wonders of God. <clears throat> so it's not as if they're just suddenly being asked which way to the local train station or something. They're, they're actually starting to speak about God. They're talking about the gospel. A couple of days earlier, God had given them a mission to go to the ends of the earth to, to witness to what they'd seen and heard. Now the ends of the earth had come to them and they're doing that witnessing. God has given them the power. He has given them the, the skills that they need to be able to do that. And as if that wasn't amazing enough, Peter, seven weeks earlier, Peter had been um, standing around a fire with a few uh, so with a few people, and a young girl, a young servant girl, had said to him, "Excuse me, don't, do you know? Aren't you one of Jesus' friends?" And what did Peter do? He denied it. He said, "No, oh, no." He was too scared, even amongst this little, this little group of people standing around a fire, to even admit that he knew Jesus. And now, just seven weeks later, Peter stands up in front of a huge crowd. A huge crowd had gathered for the, for the celebration that was there and they'd heard these things going on and Peter stands up in front of them and starts to explain to them in an incredibly eloquent kind of explanation what's going on. He refers them back to the, the promises that were made hundreds of years earlier from Joel chapter 2 uh, and he says this promise is being fulfilled. God is now here and he used it as a beautiful segue to describe the gospel. And he goes through the story of Jesus' life. You can read through it in your own time. It's a beautiful picture, description of what Jesus came to do and how he lived his life. At the end of that, that proclamation, at the end of that description, as if that wasn't amazing enough, weak and scared, timid Peter standing up, at the end of his speech, 3,000 people, that's almost all of East Linfield, 3,000 people, Give their life to Jesus. What an amazing, amazing day. Incredible, isn't it? The disciples must have been so scared, so daunted by this task of going to the world, but now God is powerfully at work through them. This power, this Holy Spirit, is the same power, the same Holy Spirit that you and I have. The Holy Spirit is in us just as much as he is in the Holy as he was in the disciples. And what does the Spirit do? Well, as you read through the rest of the book of Acts, you see some of the things that the Spirit does. This is just a selection of them. In chapter 4, verse 31, the Spirit gives them boldness in the face of, uh, of persecution. Uh, in chapter 9, verse 31, the disciples are, are afraid because of the persecution. Again, it's broken out. So the Holy Spirit encourages and strengthens them. In chapter 13, verse 52, he fills them with joy. Uh, in chapter 16, uh, verse 6 and 7, he guides them, shows them where to go and where not to go. In chapter 28, he speaks to them through the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is in us. If Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, the Holy Spirit is God in us. If Jesus were still around today, and I sometimes wish, wouldn't it be great if Jesus were here today? But Jesus, the physical Jesus, could only be in one place at one time. If he's here in East Linfield, he wouldn't be able to be in uh, Bulgaria or in Jerusalem or in London or wherever. But the Holy Spirit is able to be in all Christians in all places at all times. 
God's spirit is in us and he is in us to to make us bold, to strengthen and encourage us, to fill us with joy, to guide us, to speak to us and to speak through us. As we go out into the mission, God is with us. But of course, he's not just in us, he's actually at work in the world. And so in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of guilt uh, in regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. In other words, as we go out and as we talk to people about Jesus, the Spirit is there working in them. In fact, if the Spirit is not there working in them, then we might as well not go. Because it is God who calls people to himself. When you look at that big, uh, that big mission field that we have here in East Linfield, or think about Sydney, or think about Bulgaria, or think about the world, the farthest reaches of the world, it can seem so scary. It can seem too big for us. But of course, nothing is too big for God. And it is God who is at work. It is his mission that we take part in. So if that's the case, what do we do with this? Well, there's two things. The first one is to be encouraged. You're going to leave here this, uh, this morning and you're going to go out to your lives, um, unless you decide to stay here. Um, probably better you don't. Um, you go out into your lives, you've got work this week, you might have a family lunch, you might have, uh, be teaching at school or you might be uh, catching the train or whatever it is. You go out into your everyday life. You go out into the mission field. God is sending you as, as his witnesses to that mission field, to your family lunches, to your workplace, to the people on the train, to the people that you play football with or, or you, the team that you coach or whatever it might be. God sends you as a witness to that field. But he doesn't just send you alone. He goes with you. In fact, he goes before you. So be encouraged. When you think about the fact that you've been invited into this mission, don't be afraid because you're not in it alone. God is with you. God is working through you. God will work through you. And people's lives will be changed as you share the gospel with them. And so this year, as we think about our mission and we think about how we might go about that more effectively, Keep this in mind as a foundational truth that God goes with you as you go into the mission field. So be encouraged. Know that he will be at work through you. But there's one more thing that I think this should drive us to do. Uh, And it's hinted at in Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. Jesus is talking to his disciples um, and he's talking about the, the, the size of the mission field. He says the harvest is plentiful. There's so many people out there. And so what is his response? What does he say we should do in response to the idea that there's so many people in this mission field that we've got to reach to? His response is this. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. The response to the size of the mission is to turn to the God of the mission. It's to turn to him in prayer. To ask him to send more workers out. You've got to be careful when you pray that prayer because the next thing that happens after the disciples pray that prayer is he sends them. <laughs> that quite often when you pray that prayer, you will be the answer to your own prayer. Uh, so be careful praying it. But um, the task is huge. We need God's help. And so prayer is going to be vital to us when we think about Easter Fest. Uh, in the lead up to Easter, we think about that outreach. Prayer is going to be central to that. 
when we think about our, our regular outreaches of scripture and vibe and playgroup and, and couch and uh, all these different activities that we're involved in, ESL, prayer is a vital part of all of those ministries. We had a great opportunity to do that this week uh, at, at our, our combined prayer meeting. Uh, and, and a number of you came to that. Uh, not as many as we would have, we would have liked, but that's okay. Um, I, I will send out the, the list of, of prayer points to you so that you can pray. It's important to pray for our mission here at St Peter's, but also for the world. And we've been asked already to pray for Andrew and Kate, and I hope that you will do that. Um, but not just for them, of course, but for all those who take out the, the gospel to different parts of the world. We pray for the Makukas and we pray for, um, uh, for Rod Chiswell and the people up at, um, at Coldale in Armidale. It's important for us to pray. So what do we pray for? First of all, we need to pray for those who speak. We, that includes us. We need to pray for boldness because it is nerve-wracking. I don't know about you, but I get you kind of, the opportunity to speak comes up. You know, somebody raises the, the, the idea of faith and you start to think, oh, what am I going to say? And you start to get sweaty palms. And you think, you know, pray, for your, pray for yourself. Pray that God will give you courage. Pray that God will give you the words to speak. Pray that you might know God's presence with you there. Pray for clarity. Pray for, for winsomeness. Pray for the wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. Pray for those who speak. Pray for yourself. Pray for your brothers and sisters who go out to speak. But also pray for those who hear. Um, start praying that God would work in people's lives. One of the things that we're going to be launching next week um, David will be sharing with us about this, uh, is the idea of prayer triplets. What that means is, uh, that is, uh, we're going to divide our church up, or dividing our church maybe is not the best way, we're going to try and gather a whole group of people into groups of three to pray. The purpose of those triplets will be um, to actually pray for mission. It'll be to pray for those who speak. It'll be to pray for each other as you go out. That, you, that God might give you opportunity, that God might give you courage, that God would speak through you. But it's also to pray for those who hear. And so we'll hopefully share with each other in our little triplets, who are the people that you are wanting to, who do you, who you see the opportunity? Maybe you've got, you're having a cup of tea with somebody, you're meeting for coffee with somebody during the week. Um, you might pray for that opportunity that God will give you the words to say to that person. Pray for them that God will be moving in their hearts to make them open, to soften their hearts to the gospel. Uh, or maybe you've been having conversations with some of your family members, uh, people that, you know, maybe over Christmas, they kind of made fun of the fact that you go to church. You might like to pray for them and get each other to pray for them. This is an exciting part of the Bible because it's, it reminds us that although we've got this great task, we've also got this great power. God is in us. Wherever we go, as we walk out these doors, God walks with you. As you go to work tomorrow morning, God will walk in the doors with you. And he will help you to speak. He will give you the courage. He will give you the words. So turn to him and draw your strength from him. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for, this, uh, for the privilege of being involved in this awesome mission. Um, but it is also a scary one because we look at um, the world and we look at how many there are but also perhaps how antagonistic some people in the world are to the message of the gospel and it can be scary 
And so, Lord, we come to you and we ask for your help. You have included us in your mission to reach the world. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us courage as you gave the disciples courage, that you would give us the words to speak as you gave Peter the, the words to speak. We pray that you would open up opportunities as Paul uh, asked the Colossians to pray, we, that you would opportunity, open up opportunities for us to speak. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with confidence and joy, knowing that you will be at work. And Lord, we look forward to seeing what you're going to do through us this year and through our church. Uh, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.